just past 7 o'clock. And what do you know? We love Monday nights. It's time for Ira on Sports, 95.9 True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo and Ira. Just a minute or two from now, got a great guest. We've had him on before. It's C.Y. Young from FSU. Well, I was nervous whether he was going to come on, <laughs> considering they had a really, really tough loss yesterday. Talked to CY earlier, and he said he would come on talk about the game. He's uh, the assistant coach at Florida State. He's one of the number one recruiters in the country. Done great work. Uh, just amazing what the FSU program has done. And, and again, we feel horrendous for them because last year, the team was set to be a number one seed and was one of the favorites for the, to win the yeah. whole tournament. They lose the tournament last year. They come back this year with a great team and just, you know, run against a very good Michigan team and lose in a game that I thought was a was a 50-50 game and, and just did the height of Michigan was just too great. It was um, no, it was a sad loss. And it, we are lucky that he's that he's coming on. Uh, uh, so we'll have him on in just a minute. But you had a really busy week. We'll talk more about that later. But tell us just real quick what you've been up to. Everything. I was at uh, Wednesday. I went to baseball and then so I went to baseball, the spring training. I want to get as much spring training games as possible as I possibly could get. Uh, Houston, Washington, Thursday, St. Louis, Houston, and Sunday, Washington, St. Washington and St. Louis. So all at uh, ballpark at the Palm Beaches. And then on, that was Sunday, Friday, Saturday, I went to tennis, Miami Open. So I saw that. So I literally went Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But it's all going to be done because after this week, unless I go to heat games, there's nothing else in South Florida. This is the end of the South Florida sports. No, no you're right. Now, um, yeah, you're going to be running out of options here, right? especially with not being able to travel. Normally, you'd be on a plane. Once, yeah, once no, and this is all right. And it's in, in the way that, and also the NBA playoffs would normally start, but now because it's pushed back a month, so you have that. And the Masters tickets, I mean, it's like one of those things you consider going to Masters, but because they have such limited, as Master tickets are normally extremely expensive. This year, it's insane how expensive they are for, because they're allowing so few fans in, and there are some tickets, but it's just, it's crazy numbers. So they do offer, you find places to buy tickets, because I thought it was like very hard for people to transfer who've gotten tickets. The Masters is so hardest that they possibly can have to transfer but there are ways to do it it's extremely complicated i think if i went i would want to go on wednesday because you're allowed to bring your camera to take pictures mm -hmm. and you know, you know how much i love taking pictures at events <laughs> i don't know what i would be doing at a, at a place that i couldn't take pictures at events uh, i think we do have uh, our caller on now uh, cy young from fsu i believe is on the line Good evening, good evening. How you guys doing? <laughs> We're doing great. We're doing great, CY. Uh, I'm so sorry about the loss yesterday. I, I mean, I really appreciate you. My, my mom, after we were watching the game last night, my mom says, I don't know if CY is going to come on your show tomorrow after this game, but I really appreciate you uh, coming back and, and coming on and uh, at least talking about the game. And, and, you know, you had a great season. Florida State, what an amazing run the last two years. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I to tell mom I'm a South Florida guy. I'm tougher than that. Tell her I'm a Carroll City guy. I'm tough. I'm never gonna run. But uh, tell her uh, uh, yesterday was tough to say the least. Uh, but we're proud. We're proud of what we've accomplished. Uh, we've changed the narrative in terms of Florida State basketball. Uh, we're no longer a program. Uh, it's just trying to get in the tournament. You know, there was a time where, you know, our our, our narrative was, hey, let's just, let's just try to get in every year. And uh, those days are long gone uh, at Florida State. So we were devastated about losing in the Sweet 16. And uh, if we're devastated about losing in the Sweet 16, that tells me, we're in a pretty good place as a basketball program. So uh, we're the new bloods. We're here. We ain't going nowhere. We'll be knocking on the door every year uh, to win a national title. Well, considering that last year you were 26-5, and five, ACC regular season title, number one seed in the ACC tournament, Going, some people predicted you to win the NCAA tournament, of course, win the ACC tournament, and COVID shuts the season down and shuts the tournament down, and you come back this year with this team and still have make it to the ACC title game and the Sweet 16 and after losing uh, two NBA basketball players. So just an amazing comeback. It's not, as I said, you just said, you're not just a one-and-done type team in terms of one year is great and then have some years of you actually are going to be consistently every year a top team. Well, what Jalen and Hamilton has accomplished here is, is truly amazing. And um, I don't know that he'll ever get the credit that he deserves. 
but if, if people uh, stop being emotional and they sit back and they read the data, uh, it's crazy that he's not respected as one of the, one of the best to ever do it, period. Um, you know, I, I, I got to correct you on something. Last year, uh, we lost four pros. Um, we lost Devin Vassell, who was the 11th pick in the draft. We lost Patrick Williams, who was the fourth pick in the draft. Uh, we lost Trent Forrest, who signed a free agent deal with the Utah Jazz. He's getting spot minutes here. And then we lost Dominic Olenicic, who's uh, a high-level Europe player right now. Uh, so most people who use, lose four players of that, cali- of that caliber uh, are definitely not in the mix. And I, and I don't think um, many people thought we would be in the mix this year. But uh, it's been pretty consistent. For I would say the last five years, because you could go back to the team we uh, we got upset by Xavier when we had Dwayne Bacon, who was the 40th pick in the draft. We had Jonathan Isaac, we had Michael Ojo, Jacquez Smith, and uh, and uh, one more. I mean, it might have been four on that team, and we were a three seed, and we lost to Xavier in Orlando, and uh, everybody said, "Hey, you know." It was a fluke. Florida State. Florida State is done. Um, well, we went to the Elite Eight and was 45 seconds from the Final Four the next year. You know, then on the Elite Eight team, we lost Brian Angola, and everybody said, "Oh, Florida State. It was a fluke." You know, we went to the Sweet 16 the next year, uh, and then on the Sweet 16 team, uh, that was the year you saw me at the draft. Ira, we lost Mofandu. Kamangeli, who was the 27th pick in the draft. We lost Terrence Mann, who was the 48th pick in the draft. We lost Phil Kofer, who's in Belgium now and played with the Memphis Hustle of the G League. Uh, and we lost David Nichols, who's a mid-level European player. And everybody said, oh, they, they, they're gone for sure this time. You know, it was those last three or four years was a fluke. And uh, we won the ACC regular season title the next year. So, you know, uh, I don't get emotional. I read the data. You know, what I just gave you, that's not my opinion. You know, that's that's what happened. Uh, and here we are again, uh, uh, coming from the Sweet 16, a disappointing loss. But, you know, I, uh, you know, you always hear about the fans that complain and upset. And we got a lot of people that's upset uh, that we lost in the Sweet 16. But we also have a ton of tremendous fans, great fans who uh, who support us and love us unconditionally. And, and uh, you know, we appreciate them. And, you know, I never thought I'd see the day, Ira, we lost uh, at North Carolina this year. And I heard them say, big upset in Chapel Hill. North Carolina beats Florida State. <laughs> I was like, Wow, we have arrived. <laughs> that's that's great. No, that's it. That's what when they storm when the when the fans storm the court after they beat you, you know that now you've arrived. When the North Carolina fans storm the court at their own court, so. Well, Syracuse Syracuse stormed the court for us before COVID, and Jalen Hamilton looked at me and said, "Can you believe it? Syracuse <laughs> is storming the court like it's a new day." And uh, you know we're for real. And uh, Jalen Hamilton is for real. This staff deserves a lot of credit. Jalen Hamilton, uh, our associate head coach, Stan Jones, who's phenomenal. Uh, Steve Smith, who's a young rising star on our staff. Dennis Gates, who was on our staff, who's now the head coach at Cleveland State, who did amazing things. You know, our strength coach, Mike Bradley, who's uh, phenomenal. He's like a mad scientist that, that really develops bodies here for us. You know, our trainer, Amanda Robinson, our administrative assistant, Renee Andrews. You know, Jalen Hamilton has really built a Fortune 500 company. He's one of the best head coaches and CEOs in the country. Uh, I'd be remiss if I don't um, uh, name Chuck Walsh, our sports information director. I mean, we Florida State basketball, when we walk in the gym now, we're respected, and uh, it feels good. And uh, respect is ultimate currency. So, you know, we got a big-time class coming in next year, and uh, we can't wait to get back at it and make another run. But uh, I'm not going to lie to you, Ira, it did hurt. And, um, 
It wasn't how we envisioned. And it really hurts because the year before, we really thought we had a national championship team uh, with Trent Forrest and Devin Vassell and Patrick Williams and the guys we have now. We just we were a little bit more of a cohesive unit and a little bit more experienced at the point guard spot. Uh, but this team really did have an unbelievable run. And Raquan Gray, who's a South Florida kid who I'm so proud of and so thankful to his mom, Valerie, who sent him to me. And, and Anthony Polite, who's a South Florida kid. And Scotty Barnes, who's a South Florida kid. These guys, uh, they were amazing this year. And they were determined uh, to hold up um, the new blood status. They were determined to, to prove the world wrong. And we did some phenomenal things this season. Uh, you talk about a team, we won five games in the ACC by 19 points or more. Like, that's that's unheard of. We had a performance against Virginia uh, where we just dismantled them on national TV. And same with Louisville. So uh, this team accomplished a bunch, and uh, we've, we've been trying to take care of the kids today to make sure they understand that, that they stop and smell the roses. Well, yeah, you beat Virginia by 21 points, but I met you. I mean, you've given everybody credit, but what about yourself as being regarded as one of the top recruiters in the United States, um, recruiting all these uh, players? And, and the one thing where I met you was at the draft when Terrence Mann was selected. And I remember I turned around and I was sitting in front of you and Terrence, and then Terrence turned to you and, and started hugging you. And he hugged you so hard, I thought he was going to break you in two. And he started just saying he was crying and and tears were out of his eyes. And he's drafted the second round. And then he is thanking you. And he said thank you about a million times. And to me, that just shows the, the love he had for you. And, and I'm thinking when I see that I didn't really know you well at all. I've heard your name, but I didn't know you. And I'm like, well, this is someone who appreciates, well, Terrence's perspective, you know, that he appreciated. But that someone like you who had done so much for him on mornings in the gym, afternoons in the gym, before, after, phone calls, everything. And, and that's what I think Terrence appreciative and you know that's great everybody talks about the bad things about college basketball and all the scandals and here's a situation where you know Terrence is definitely appreciative and look what the kind of year he's having at the Clippers uh, for the work you did with him and how appreciative he was well I appreciate you saying that if you remember I had I had a bunch of tears in my eyes too because I offered Terrence as an eighth grader or a ninth grader and uh, you know really uh, made him believe in himself uh, when he didn't really believe in himself. And, uh, you know, we had to do a ton of development. And he came in with a blockbuster class. Like, a, he came in with the class that started a, rev- a basketball revolution here at Florida State. It was Malik Beasley, who was Coach Hamilton's first one and done. And it was Dwayne Bacon, Gene Criscomaggi, and Terrence Mann. That, that class really sent us on an upward trajectory that's been crazy, but – Terrence coming in with Bacon and Beasley, it was a lot on it. You know, Beasley was one and done, and Bacon was two and done, and he's in that class. And, you know, people are not giving him much respect. He's a guy that's ranked like number 113. And uh, I just told him, hey, listen, just stay the course, keep working. We're going to add a little something to your game every year. And uh, when it's all over, you know, you're going to be a pro. And uh, I think he thought I was just saying that when he was younger. And as he continued to work, he started to see the vision. And for him to actually reach it and do what he's doing now, it's, uh, it's the best thing about coaching, just the relationships and uh, just pouring into these kids and watching them accomplish more than they ever thought they could accomplish. And uh, So uh, I got the NBA League pass. I, I come home from work every day and I'll – I just turn on the TV and I watch all my babies. Watch <laughs> Devin Vassell and Patrick Williams and and Terrence Mann and Dwayne Bacon and you know Mufundu Kamengeli and uh, I mean we got a we got a bunch of them now and uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And again, uh, Jalen Hamilton is in terms of development. Uh, there's nobody out there better. It may be some people as good, uh, and I'm not trying to disrespect anybody. Uh, but nobody out there better uh, just to build this program and uh, to do less with more because you and I both know Florida State was not known as a basketball school. and Most people didn't think Florida State cared much about 
uh, basketball. You know, when I first got here eight years ago, um, we had Skittle-colored seats in the arena. (laughs) It was was different colored seats. And uh, Jonathan Isaac was the first recruit that we took to see our facilities. Uh, When we signed Dwayne and Terrence and and Malik Beasley and and Gene Chris Kamaji, we put them in the car. And we said, hey, we play over there, and we're we going, we going to dinner. You know, we just kind of oh, tried just, to hide You just it. drove by. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, we, we got a tremendous amount of pride in, in what we've done here. And, uh, you know, we're just getting started. I mean, we, we you know, they, they act like we just got here. We've been here for a while uh, for whatever reason. Uh, but um, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing. Uh, to see the difference from when Jalen and Hamilton first walked in the door here to now, uh, just uh, a legitimate top ten program, and it's uh, hard to do. People don't realize how hard it is to win. I mean, we've been to three straight Sweet Sixteens. Uh, if we would have gone last year, we would have a one seed, so we probably would have been four straight years. There's, I've been coaching twenty six years. I got friends of mine calling me that's been coaching as long as I have, and they've never been to the tournament. <laughs> you know, they didn't, you know, head coaches who've never been to the tournament. You know, it's 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 a, it's, it's truly amazing, and uh, but we, we we're not satisfied. We want to get over the hump. We definitely want to bring uh, all of our Florida State alums and basketball fans and the Tallahassee community. Uh, we're committed to to winning a national title in basketball. So um, we'll be we'll be right back knocking on the door next year. One thing I like to ask you is, I mean, unlike these other one and dones that come in last year, Patrick Williams, he didn't start a game all year. He was drafted fourth pick in the draft this year. Scotty Barnes uh, came off the bench and, and is probably going to be drafting the maybe top five or top six. It's uh, the mm-hmm. buy-ins from your um, uh, these one-and-done type players is, is tremendous to go, just do what they have to do to, to, to fit in with the team. Well, and, and that's a great point. And, and again, it goes it goes back to Jalen Hamilton, uh, who has NBA experience, was the head coach of the Wizards. We sell these guys on being more efficient in less minutes. We we sell these guys on on sharing playing time and playing together and accepting a role the same way an NBA team is going to ask you to accept a role. So we get a guy, a lot of guys that are drafted uh, because NBA people are coming in and they understand that the guys at Florida State they have a tremendous amount of professionalism. Uh, the guys at Florida State, they defend, number one. Uh, they can guard one through five. They understand rotations. Uh, they play the game the right way. Uh, and they're high-character gym rats. So uh, it's, it's gotten to the point where if there's a Florida State guy on the board, most of these NBA teams, they're taking them because of the success our guys are having. And it's the, the development and the understanding of the pro game. And, uh Guys understand that they got to learn to affect the game non-ball dominant, um, and and they learn that here at Florida State. So uh, guys get better when they come in the door. They improve in every area. Uh, they improve in shooting the ball. They improve in making decisions and reading ball screens. And they learn how to make decisions in point five seconds or less. All things that trans translate into the NBA game. Uh, so it, it's good for us and it's good for them and. You know, I don't think anybody else in the history of college basketball has had two guys that never started a game get drafted in the first round. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy when you think about it. But in the history of college basketball, Florida State and Jalen and Hamilton, uh, they have, we have Mofandu Kamigeli who went 27. He was the sixth man of the year in the ACC. And never started a game. And we had uh, Patrick Williams who um, – went fourth in the draft and was a sixth man of the year in the ACC. And Scotty got sixth man, and he actually started the first half of the season and then had a growing pull and an ankle ankle sprain, and he sat out. And when he came back, he just said, hey, coach, I want to ride the bike and get loose and kind of read the game. So that was more Scotty's choice than ours. Um, it just kind of happened organically. But um, – 
it's it's amazing when you look at the data and you look at the people that are coming out of the program and where they're drafted and where, what they're doing. And we, we got about two or three more coming out this year, and we'll have two or three more the following year. So um, Florida State basketball is, is definitely on the road. Well, CY, I appreciate your time talking. I love to have you on my show, and uh, we're certainly going to be rooting for Florida State. And uh, just it's, you know how they say it's not—it's uh, just reloading <laughs> for next year, and uh, and you don't uh, and and ready to go. And I think that's what it, I think. What you said is, is you set a standard for the program uh, when you play a Duke. I mean, I can't wait. I mean, I, I went to Duke Law School. You know, I'm a Dukey, but the fact is, I can't wait for Duke to storm the court after you after uh, they beat you <laughs> at, at Cameron. Well, the, the narrative of blue blood has controlled college basketball for 75 years. And uh, people are really uh, enamored by the blue blood programs. And um, for us, we call ourselves a new blood. <laughs> and uh, we're the first and only new blood. And so uh, we're proud to be the new blood. We tell them all the time we're here. We're not going nowhere. I think they, they think we're going to go away, but every year there's Florida State again. And uh, we're proud of that. and we, we, We're very proud to change that narrative and have some, some very talented young men understand that uh, they can come to Florida State. You know, guys in state who are basketball players, they can come to Florida State and make all their hopes and dreams come true in basketball. So, uh, I appreciate you having me on, Ira, and tell mom I was tough enough to come on even though I was licking my wounds and that I'm a Carroll City guy and don't ever doubt me. <laughs> and you led them to the state championship when you were at, at Carroll City as a player. So, uh, uh, But, uh, again, uh, CY, thank you so much for coming on IRS Sports. I really appreciate it. Man, I, I appreciate you, Ira, and you guys have a good evening. Always uh, great stuff here from C.Y. Young here on Ira on Sports. Um, <clears throat> so, Ira, let's jump right into the NCAA tournament. So, not that many close games over the weekend. Not as many as we were hoping for, that's for sure. I think I said there were eight games this weekend. Five were, uh, I would say, blowouts to some extent. One semi-close game and two, one of those at the last second shot games. But it was it was un, it was weird because, and you're seeing with the three-point shots, I think some of these teams, what the one narrative I'm going to go through when we go to some of these games is uh, when the team is at advantage, they're not making their threes, they stop shooting threes, just go inside. I think that's a smart thing to do in terms of what you have to do. when Because you can see the scores of these games. Besides Gonzaga, no one's scoring 80, 90 points. They're all scoring the 50s, the 40s, the mm-hmm. 60s, because they're not making threes because it's harder to shoot threes when you have hands in your face. Absolutely. You're right. Let's uh, go right to the Midwest bracket and talk about uh, Oregon State had an upset over Loyola. I mean, Oregon State at was on March 7th was 14 and 12. And they had no chance to go to any tournament yeah. at all. They they beat in the Pac-12 tournament. They beat UCLA in overtime. Oregon and Colorado to win the whole tournament. They come on and they beat Tennessee, and then the team that I thought was going to make the final four, Oklahoma State, and, and it just seems they don't they don't lose. I mean, this Ethan Thompson who's a senior. He's now started 126 games, four year starter. Played 40 minutes, averaged 22 points. And, you know, Loyola was the great story, too. They have Sister Jean, Porter Moser. They beat Illinois. So the, both the teams, I thought it was Oklahoma, going to be Oklahoma State, Illinois in this game. Instead, it was Oregon State and, and Loyola, Chicago. And, you know, Oregon State just led 24-16 at halftime. Uh, it was the, the closest they got was like 37-24, 12 minutes to go. Uh, but uh, or they just ended up, uh, you know, winning the game. Loyola only shot 5 for 23 from 3, 33% for the game. And uh, just a big win for Oregon State. Let's talk about uh, Syracuse losing to Houston. Well, <laughs> again, Houston, I think Buddy Beheim was on a roll. I mean, the Syracuse beat San Diego State, they beat West Virginia. Buddy Beheim was averaging like 30 points a game, shooting 60%. And Houston just came in there and they said, we're going to shut him down. And again, they shot another 5 for 23. Beheim was held for 3 for 13, 1 for 9 from threes for only 12 points. Uh, Deshaun Giroux for Houston, tremendous. I mean, Houston's a number two seat. Everyone thinks Houston is, what are they? I mean, they've only lost three times all year. Uh, and uh, Quinton Grimes, first on draft pick played great and this is going to be their first Houston's first trip to the Elite Eight since Five Slam Jamma one of my favorite teams they went to three Final Fours in a row they had uh, Elijah Wan Drexler Michael Young they were the first team that started dunking it was great and Calvin Sampson's their coach and done a great job now Houston's going to be an eight point favorite over Oregon State so I really think I, I think Oregon State the Cinderella story is going to they're playing that uh 
tonight, and I and I think that uh, Houston will end up winning that game. Moving to the South region, Baylor uh, beat Villanova, but this one was close for a little while. It wasn't close. I mean, there was a point where where Villanova, without playing Colin Golubsky, uh, and then they also Brandon Slater got hurt during the game, but again, they shot three for seventeen from the field from three, seventeen percent. Uh, Baylor's three guards: Jared Butler, David Mitchell, uh, Marcio Tig. Uh, Butler had nine points. Teague had five points. I mean, it was like Villanova played great D. I mean, Baylor only scored 62. They averaged in the 80s during this year. And uh, it was fun. And, and Baylor at 14% from threes. They were the nation's leading scorer at three point at 42%. Mm-hmm. So it just shows you what Villanova's defense and these things. But Villanova went. Uh, they decided the second half just to go into the paint. They went on a 14-2 run. And Villanova in the second half couldn't shoot. They were 0 for 9 from threes in the second half. And in the final 11 minutes of the game, they scored 10 points. Uh, it was interesting during the game. They showed uh, Bobby Plump. They play at Hinkle Fieldhouse. If anyone saw the, one of the best sports movies of all time, Hoosiers, he was the, he was the main guy, Jimmy. <laughs> and uh, he, he was there at the game. And the guy who wrote Rudy was also there. I really? thought that was interesting little things to say. Yeah, very cool stuff. And I, I can't be the only one who is kind of rooting for Oral Roberts to keep the uh, keep the magic alive, but just didn't have enough against Oh, Arkansas. was it close? I mean, it was one of those things where they played each other earlier, and Oral Roberts was up 10 but lost by 11. And this came, Oral Roberts was up 10 and lost by by two. Um, there was it was it was, Oral Roberts was up 35. At one point they were up 46-34 the second half, and you thought this was going to be the upset. And the Oral Roberts this is a team that beat Ohio State in overtime, then beat Florida. Uh, it's just I mean again these mid majors are the real deals. They, there's they're, they're tra- and and they have the leading scorer in the country, uh, Max Abbas. Uh, and and at the end of the game, Devonte Davis of Arkansas with 2.9 seconds to go hit this short jumper. I mean again I always say this with these three pointers. Don't you don't need to shoot a three. Just get the shot that you need. Made it with 2.9. But then Oral Roberts inbounded to Max Abmus. He drove down in 2.9 seconds on the anniversary of the Christian Leitner last shot. And he drove down and had a three, a wide open, sort of wide open three, just off the rim uh, for, to win. So it was, it was pretty sad in terms of four Oral Roberts. But Arkansas, the job Eric Musselman has done, uh, he was someone who was the coach at the Warriors years and years ago and sort of bounced around, then took the Nevada job and uh, just hired a Nevada at Arkansas and turned it around. But Baylor, now, Baylor plays Arkansas, and Baylor's an eight-point favorite. So it looks like Baylor could win. You know, I would put Baylor's a favorite and Baylor and Houston in the semifinals. And uh, that game's going to actually happen tonight at 9.57, Arkansas. And we got the Houston game starting in, like, right now. I think It's actually 12-4 to four right now, Houston on top of Oregon State. Uh, so they're coming out hot. 12 minutes left to go uh, in the first half there. Um, moving to the east, we just talked to uh, poor CY about it, but Michigan just had too much for Florida State. I know. I didn't want to go into so much detail about the game. I think it was painful, but... Hunter Dickinson, I mean, this is the Michigan team that I felt with when Isaiah Livers was out, one of their star players. I felt, but boy, there was no answer uh, for the, the size that Michigan had. Uh, they, 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 they had shot 59 shots, but only 11 threes. They were three for 11 for a game. Uh, Hunter Dickinson, 14.8 rebounds, uh, just tremendous in terms of what they were able to do. And they, and they shut down Florida State. And, and it, again, it was like at one point in the second half, it got a little close, but really just a, an 18-point win uh, that for, for Michigan. And Michigan looks like, as a team that I think, they're the only Big Ten team, especially yep. the Big Ten, that was that went through this. Uh, they beat LSU, they beat Texas Southern, and now they had a big win against Florida State, their number one seed. But it was, I think, their defense and their size, and, and they would they would play if they keep winning. They play Gonzaga in the semifinals, and we're going to see Gonzaga. Could this size could this size prove to be a problem? Even though Gonzaga has tall players and Drew Timmy and everything like that, but maybe they they could present some problems to Gonzaga. I do think it'll be their biggest challenge of the season for sure. And then um, we also saw UCLA and Bama, and I wasn't expecting this one. <laughs> well, I always thought I liked the game because it was like football versus basketball. UCLA <laughs> has the most titles ever in basketball. They've won eleven. Kentucky. He's won eight, Carolina six, and Bama has 16 titles. Now, they don't have number one. Yale is number one with 18. But that was like when there was two teams yeah. playing football. Like, it's great to have Yale have their titles. It was like Yale and Harvard, the winner of the game, wins the national yeah. championship. <laughs> so, um, and it was like one of those games where, where Alabama, they beat Iona in Maryland, and UCLA, they, they beat Michigan State in overtime of the playing game. Then BYU, which is a big win, and Abilene Christian. Uh, UCLA, which has all these titles, hasn't been in a regional final since 2008. So they have this history, but that's why they keep firing their coaches, because they're yeah. like, we're... We're UCLA. We've won all these titles, and they haven't had that second. Like, wouldn't they haven't had their 
next John Wooden, whereas Nick Saban replaced Bear Bryant, they haven't had their great coach. But uh, Cronin has done a great, a great job. And uh, it was one of those games where it was 62-61 Bama, but Cody Riley hit her layup with 14 seconds to go, uh, put UCLA up by one. Bama then fouled Herb Jones. So he goes to the line down one, and he missed both free throws. Yeah. And uh, so then, then they fouled, they fouled uh, UCLA. UCLA made three, both their free throws. They're up three. And then Alex Reese with like two seconds to go ties it up. And so now it goes overtime. You think a team was up 65-62. Why didn't they foul him? How he shot almost like a, a half-court shot almost. And that would have been – that was the shot of the tournament. But then they go to overtime and – I, I got to give UCLA credit. I mean, Bama tied it up, and you think they're going to, that's where we went. UCLA then went and blew them out. I mean, they ended up scoring, uh, whatever, 20-some points in the overtime period to win that game. And so UCLA sets up a, a game uh, tomorrow, Michigan-UCLA, uh, and uh, Michigan's favorite by seven in that game. Let's go to the West. Gonzaga does what Gonzaga does and beats teams by double digits. I've, I've said it from day one. I, they're, they're, they're phenomenal. Timmy, Drew Timmy, no one gets the credit. Everyone's talking about the other players, but he was 10 for 14, 22 points, six rebounds, four assists. He is like Jokic out there in terms of being able to drain threes for the Denver Nuggets. He just is a great tall guy who passes the ball well. Corey Kispert, 12 points. Suggs, 9 points. Nemhart, the transfer from Florida, 17 points. And Ajayi, and I'm going to say this about Ajayi, he does not get the credit. He's number 11. He will be a superstar in the NBA. I just love everything about his game. And people talk about where the Kispert's going to be a lottery pick, Suggs is going to be a lottery pick. Uh, but I really think, and Timby's going to be a first-round pick. I think Ajayi, when it's all said and done, is going to be the great player. I mean, of all the teams, no one shoots well. They shoot 40% from threes. They shoot 60% from the field. And Creighton just shot five, another 5 for 23. I think everybody shot 5 for 23 in this game and <laughs> lost. And uh, 5 for 23 from the game. Huge win for Gonzaga. Uh, and they've and they just been blowing everyone out. I mean, they're just winning. How's they They beat, you know, they, they, they beat uh, first round game by 43. And they beat Ohio University by 16. Oklahoma by 16. Sorry. USC ended up beating Oregon. And I think this might be a sneaky, tough matchup for Gonzaga. It is. Uh, Evan Mobley is one of the top uh, draft potential draft picks. Some people have him going in the top three. He had 10 points. His brother, Isaac Mosley, 13 points. Um, but they have senior leadership, Isaiah White, 22. I'm just waiting for Oregon to, to come in. There was, it was like a six seed versus seven seed. And USC, just a uh, phenomenal job. I mean, Andy Enfield took Florida Gulf Coast, the number 15 seed, all the way. Something that Oral Roberts was trying to do to, to uh, the Elite Eight. Uh, but uh, it, was, it was like one of those things where I'm, I'm impressed with USC. They've come on. Now you have three. You have USC, you have UCLA, and you have Oregon State. Three Pac-12 teams that no one paid attention to all year. No one, I mean, they weren't even ranked in, there was the, in the top 20 in the country, and now they're in the lead eight. 735, it's Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel. Ira, so last week was one of those days where if you looked away from your phone for 15 seconds, you came back to 100 texts, and I got a phone call from you immediately because we were like, wait, what is going on? Trying to piece everything together. So what happened in a, in a matter of literally five minutes, the Miami Dolphins, swapped the number three overall pick in the draft that they acquired from Houston to San Francisco for two first-rounders down the, down the road at pick 12. Then they immediately took the 12th pick and traded up to number six with the Eagles, giving them some first-round picks. The whole thing shaked up, uh, shook up funny. Great job by the Dolphins. If the Dolphins are committed to taking one of those big skill position players like Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts, He's 99% sure still going to be there at six. They stacked some additional draft picks. But what this does tell me is that the Eagles are committed to Jalen Hurts and that San Francisco is committed to taking a quarterback. And Miami's committed to Tua. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Miami's traded out, so they they don't have to worry about taking a quarterback. And anymore. I think that was one of the things. I mean, we're start, we're starting to see the everything fall, but that was the key. I mean, they dropped really from three to six. They picked up a. It was hard. I had to write this on a piece of paper. Yeah. It was so much to try to figure out because you're swapping this pick and that pick and this pick and the Eagles picks, and you're trying to figure out the Dolphins went from three to six and picked up a first round pick in 2023 and a third round pick in 2022. So amazing, just to move three and picks and probably get the same guy they want and the same guy they want, which would be. The uh, Kyle Pitts is the tight end from Florida. J uh, Jalen Waddle and Devon Smith are both wide receivers from Alabama. And Jamar Chase from LSU. Yeah. So there's four premier uh, tight end wide receiver. People say they can't pick 
think Pitts, they have, uh, they already have Gisecki, Gisecki from Penn State, the tight yeah. end. But Pitts is seen, not a typical cent- uh, yeah, tight end Yeah, we've seen either. today that you can have two tight ends. I mean, it's just yeah. Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski. It's the way they play football today. You can have tight ends, can play wide receivers. I don't think they, but somehow they want one of these wide receivers. But I think what it sets up for the draft is that the Jets want Kyle, uh, Zach Wilson from Zach BYU. Zach Wilson is going, yeah. At number two. Supposedly, these teams are really trying to get the number two pick from the Jets, and the Jets wouldn't budge. So that's another domino that kind of falls in your head, like, well, they're committed to Zach Wilson. Because you're saying that if the Jets were committed to a quarterback, saying they're going to keep Sam Darnell at the quarterback, yeah. they'd move down. They could have went to six, like, no problem. No, but they decided, so they want the quarterback. Yes. Lawrence is going to the Jaguars. And then the question for the 49ers at three is, what other there's Justin Fields left and uh, Trey Lance of mm-hmm. North Dakota State and he like, seems to fit Shanahan's system in my head and 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 which one goes at three and then Alabama and Alabama Atlanta <laughs> Atlanta's four and so would Atlanta with Matt Ryan being 36 37 years old mm-hmm. would they then pick their quarterback at four or would they go for a wide receiver or something like that so I really think that somehow you're going to get four there but then you hear these rumors that Mac Jones of Alabama could even go and yeah. jump ahead of one of these players it, it, it is crazy and I'm really excited. I, I agree. I think there's, you're going to see four quarterbacks go there. I, I don't think teams like New England are done trying either. They may try to pry the number four pick away from Atlanta. That That's yet to be seen. With Kyle Pitts, I know that the Eagles supposedly are super high on Kyle Pitts. Now they're picking 12, and you, know, you talked about two. They have Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. They have two great tight ends. That's how good Pitts is. They don't care. It's like stacked talent. But um, I don't know what's going to happen here, but I, I think it this just gave away a lot of information to people like me and you who follow this intently. Well, we, we talked about this, and I'm going to mention again, the value of a rookie quarterback that yeah. can play, because it's the money aspect. Josh Allen makes $5 million a year. Daniel Jones, $6 million. Justin Herbert, $6 million a year. Uh, Patrick Mahomes makes $40 million a year. Aaron Rodgers makes $35 million. I mean, the idea is that half the quarterbacks in the league make over $20 million a year. When you can get your quarterback at like 7 or $8 million, you're literally getting three other players. So it just makes sense for you to, to draft these quarterbacks early. And and hopefully they're gonna they're gonna be great and and you know I, I mentioned some other quarterbacks we have those top those five quarterbacks that people think might go in the top you know four top four maybe five and five who knows uh, and then what happens in the second round like the Kyle Trask at Florida uh, the Kellen Mond of Texas A and M people have been out Davis Mills of Stanford has played like a few games at all people like him you're getting these names like Jamie Newman Felipe Frank Sam Ellenberg I mean it's just crazy in terms of thinking well can we get the next you know ever since Tom Brady was drafted the sixth round Russell Wilson <laughs> all of those so and then the, I love how people say well next year's a terrible quarterback. We talked about this earlier. Yeah, you don't know. You don't know. <laughs> Sam Howe is at North Carolina, phenomenal. Keaton Slovis at USC is great. Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma. Brock Purdy at Iowa State. By next year, we're going to say, what a great quarterback class. <laughs> yeah. Next year is going to be terrible. It's like these, I watch enough college football. Nobody knew who Zach Wilson was a year yeah, ago. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah, that, no, you, you hear that all the time, that you got to get your quarterback this year. We have no idea what's going to happen. Um, and we don't know what's going to happen in San Francisco. Apparently, they're committed to J- Jimmy G, but... I, I can't see that being the truth. Well, the idea is, would would Jimmy G go? I mean, that we I have we don't have maybe time to go through all my draft in terms of where we think these these players are going to go. I mean, the fact that Deshaun Watson is not going to be traded it, it takes that sort of out of the the aspect of where teams are set almost. But if Jimmy G with the Patriots have Cam Newton, would they then trade for Jimmy G? Or the 49ers keep saying we want him on their team, we want Jimmy Garoppolo as our quarterback, but they're going to draft. They want him until the right trade offer. Comes <laughs> until along. the right trade, and, and what happens with that? So I think it's really where we are settling down in terms of where we think these quarterbacks are going to go. Um, but I'm excited for the draft. I mean, this is, again, this is the first 15 picks of the draft are going to be great. I mean, it's not going to be some offensive lineman that we never, except Pesul for, you're really going to see these star-wide receivers, star quarterbacks that everybody knows about. I love the draft. I'm very excited for this year's. Anything else in the NFL we want to touch on? 17 games. That yeah. There's a rumor that this week they're going to go. They've been at 16 for since, like, the last 30 years. Yeah. Um, they're going to add a 17th game because they have all this extra money going in. Uh, I'm against it. I like the 16. I think 17 is weird. I don't. I think it's enough. I, I, I think the less is more, I view. It is great, and I don't want them the extra playoff team, but there's just so much more money. They went to now $10.8 billion for the contract uh, per year. Uh, it's going to be in the... You're going to see quarterbacks in the league 
uh, soon making 70, 80 million dollars a year. It's going to be enormous. Like a, the salary cap now is 182. And I think what you're seeing a lot in some of these deals when people say, well, they have no money, the salary cap went from 198 to 182. You're going to start seeing in two or three years this going. So people saying, oh, they're they're borrowing money by, by putting these contracts out and having dead money. I think teams realize that in a couple years, it's going to be a 250, 260 oh, yeah. million dollar salary cap. So who cares what you're doing now? This is like, if you know money's coming in later, it's like one of those structured <laughs> settlements that they advertise on TV. If you know you're <laughs> going to get money, if you know, or you're going to get inheritance. If you know you're going to inherit when you turn 30 years old money, then you're going to spend it now. So <laughs> that's sort of what, but I think that the 17 games we're going to hear about and uh, I'm against it, but that there's, they're good. it's going to happen, so it doesn't matter. Why are you against it? I'm okay with it. <laughs> okay. It's more football. Extra week of fantasy for us. Um, we lost uh, an absolute South Florida legend. Uh, Howard Schnellenberger passed away. I, I want to say something. If anyone has a chance, go and look at the U. It's on ESPN. It's a 30 for 30, one of the best ones they've ever done about the creation of Miami and how Miami was just a nothing program really at that time. And, and he went and took it over five and six, nine and three, nine and two, seven, four. And then at ele- he had an 11-1 season. They beat Nebraska in the National Championship. I remember when I was watching that game. And it really was sad that he then left the program to go to the USFL uh, to, because he would be a part owner. And after he left uh, with Jimmy Johnson and Des Erickson, Miami went from 85 to 92, 88 and eight with three national championships. And you would think that, boy, what if Schellenberg would have stayed at Miami, he probably would have won four or five national championships, be considered one of the greatest college coaches of all time. He then went to Louisville uh, for 10 years and resurrected that program, uh, went to Oklahoma for a disastrous year, just stayed there a year and left. And then he, then we know him down here at West Palm Beach. He went to Florida Atlantic and was there for 11 years and started the entire program there. Yeah. So it was like he was sort of a, I feel he's, I think he loved building Louisville, loved building Florida Atlantic, and certainly loved building Miami, but it would have been great if he would just stayed in Miami just a little bit longer, not on the USFL and been regarded with those five national championships, we'd be holding him out as like Saban and Bear Bryant. 744 Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel. Uh, let's move to the NBA and trade deadline has come and gone. <laughs> well, the trade deadline came in, in the heat. I was nervous. Very, very nervous because I did not want Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry's the point guard for the Toronto Raptors. I just don't think he fits in, and I didn't want to give up Tyler Hero for Kyle. No. He's 35 years old. I don't think he's a streaky shooter. I, they have enough shooters. I didn't think it added much. What I liked what they did was they went to, to Victor Oladipo from Houston for Kelly Olynyk, Avery Bradley. Or Avery Bradley hasn't even played this year. Kelly Olynyk is nice. My mom loves Kelly Olynyk. But we had and then swap rights in 2022 with this pick. It gets a little more complicated. But um, for three years. He was drafted out of Indiana. He averaged uh, around 16 points a game, for a, a game. Then he went to Oklahoma City, played well. And then he signed a four-year, $84 million con- contract, traded for Indiana, the Paul George trade. And then in 2017-18, he averaged 23 points a game, 2.4 steals a game. Was one of the, It was like a Kawhi Leonard, like elite yep. MVP-type player. Then he blew out his quad, his ruptured his quad tendon, came back in 2018-19. And he's been hurt. But even this year, so he was out like about almost a whole year. But he, And there's problems with the COVID, with the, with, with the shutdown when he came. But this year, he's averaging 20-some points a game for Houston. I think he really, really helps out. Uh, with you always it. want guys who play defense. Yeah, and I think he fits in with this team. And now you have uh, Drogic, Butler, Oladipo, Duncan Robinson, Bama, Batabayo as starters in the bench. Hero, Nunn, Precious, Iguodala. And they also brought in this Mancha Balinka who people don't know his name, but he's from Sacramento, who's sort of on the bench there, but he's a taller guy, stretch, shoots threes well, and Ariza. This is the deepest team in the league. I really like what the Heat have done. The problem is they've lost six in a row. They have to get their act together and get coming, but as long as they can somehow get to the sixth seed, they're not going to get the first third. Sixers, Nets, and Bucks have the top three, but from four to ten, Knicks, Hornets, Hawks, Celtics, Heat, Pacers, Bulls, all almost the exact same record. They remember six, seven, eight, nine, and ten all play like a play-in tournament. You don't want to be in the play-in tournament. Just get to six and then play in those things. But I really like, like what the Heat did. Uh, the Nets picked up uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, which is another another player who's made $200 million on the roster, <laughs> along with Blake Griffin and everybody else. And the Lakers, so I think the key was the Lakers. Andre Drummond, humongous pickup for them. He's a, they, Their trouble is they don't rebound, and Anthony Davis doesn't like to rebound. He's the best rebounder in the league. He was uh, uh, sort of cut by Cleveland. He's on last year of a contract. I think he's going to make a huge difference for the Lakers. Could be the difference of them winning another title. Um, in terms of going forward. But uh, I really think the Lakers-Drummond pick. And Denver picked up Aaron Gordon, and Denver's playing really, really well. 
Uh, Elgin Baylor passed away, Ira. Right before we did the show, I did want to mention it. He is he took Seattle to the national championship game, lost to Kentucky. He was averaged like 31 and 28 point rebounds in college. He was rookie of the year, 10-time NBA first teamer, the NBA champ in 1972, even though he sort of wasn't on the team. But he, he set the all-time scoring record of 71 that was broken by Will Chamberlain at 100. He has the NBA finals record of 61, 11 times all-star. One of the greatest players to ever play in the game is really in most everybody's top 10 players of all time and was a general manager of the Clippers. Now, he's before almost even my time. I never saw him play. But when you see the old clips of him, how tremendous he was. Mm-hmm. So it's a terrible loss for the NBA. And truly, someone should be recognized for being one of the one of the greatest players in the history of the NBA. Let's move to baseball. Um, Ira, you've taken in more spring training games than some scouts have <laughs> this year. And baseball is just two days, well, three days away. Thursday, we're going to have to Well, the secret of, the, of going to the baseball games is this, is that the scouts put their tickets up at the last minute. Um, and the way they did this seating is that there was single seats. So I could just go, I took my dad to a a game, but the other two games, I just literally went to the last minute and saw a scout. So I was sitting, I like sitting by a known blade. And so I'm sitting watching the scouts. Some are using the computers (laughs) and everything, watching all those things. But it was was great to see it. I'll tell you, my takeaway from going to spring training games is this, Washington. The Washington Nationals are, the over-under, I think, are 85. I love the over on this team. Josh Bell. The, the, Josh Bell has six home runs and 15 RBIs, hitting 383. The Pirates gave him up for nothing. Uh, the, yeah. uh, Josh Harrison hit f- from the, another Pirate guy, hitting 417. And Kyle Schwarber. What's Kyle Schwarber? Played for the Cubs. Cubs gave him up for nothing. F- has four home runs. I, they have the pitching Strasburg, uh, Schwer- Scherzer, uh, Corbin. Corbin. And then I saw Lester comes out and pitch. And he pitched good in, in the game I saw him pitch. I love this team. I love the Nationals. Uh, I think Nationals are going to at least get the wild card. The only thing holding them back is the best division in baseball that they happen to yes. play. Even the Marlins are threatening for playoff uh, spots now. And they made it last year, so it's going to be tough. Um, we got about 12 minutes left here, Ira. Let's run through these quick. The AL East, I think we can both uh, agree the Yankees are going to be the big favorite here. Clearly the Yankees, I mean, with the pitching, I mean, they, they seem to have two people at every single position. I, I, their over-under is 95. I, the, the problem with this is I think that the American League is terrible. I think the American League's awful. I think they can win 100 games. Very top-heavy. And uh, I think it's top-heavy. The bottom teams, the Baltimore's. I mean, when we talked about Matt Harvey being the starting pitcher of the Orioles. I, it's just unbelievable. Some of these teams are minor league teams. There's only one minor league team in the National League, the Pirates, and there might be five or six minor league teams in, in the American League. It's sad. Uh, Felix Hernandez couldn't beat out Matt Harvey for that Baltimore <laughs> job. It's how funny. He's fallen, uh, fallen off the planet. In the Central, I, I don't know how the Twins win, Ira, but I'm not going to bet against them. I think it's the Twins and the White Sox. Every year, it's like it's like this White year Sox the White Sox getting better and better. Wet, better, better, and you're thinking, but they had that injury. I, I, it's going to be interesting. I'll see it when I believe it with the White Sox, and uh, and, and 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 so it'll be this will be the White Sox, and, and we'll see with Larusa as a manager. You know, is that difference? How that's going to change? But this year, the White Sox look. If they have another like 84, 83 win, then we just know they're frauds. I mean, this is a year that the White yep. Sox really have to start win those 92, 93 games, and they have the best. Benefit. They play with the Royals. They play with the Cleveland. So they, they should be able to get to that 90 win mark. Yeah. Um, in the West, I'll take Oakland. I don't know why, but this team always does it. I think finally the Angels are going to do it. They, I just think they, it's finally. Right, they're due. It, it's <laughs> Rendon. Otani uh, uh, looks healthy. I mean, Otani's next baby. He's a guy who hits and he pitches. He's his throwing the ball 100 is, miles an hour. His OPS is 1,700. This, yeah. this, I mean, he's, it, he's hitting the ball out of the park so and pitching great. This is a team. I, I think the Angels are somehow going to. This year, is the, the, and the Angels have all this money. And I, I like the Angels for this reason also. They have the money. They're willing to spend it. They're going to have fans back in the stadium in the stadium. And I think if they see that they're getting closer, a lot of these bad teams are going to dump a lot of their talent. And I think they're going to pick them up. So that's why I'm picking the Angels, because they, they have the money to spend, and they're going to try to do it to make sure they, they make it. In, in the National League, I'm going to take the Braves to come out of the NL East. But like I said, I'm not going to be surprised if any one of those teams comes out. Well, that's where the Mets, I mean, my Met fan, my fans in New York are just, friends in New York are just so, this is like the year, this is the year, yeah. this is the year. Year. Uh, they have all the stars and everything, and unfortunately, they have the in the same division as the Braves. Uh, in the Central, it's hard to bet against the Cardinals here after they acquire one of the best players in baseball, Nolan Arenado. As I said, I've seen the Cardinals play four or five games, and and when you see Arenado and Goldschmidt back to back, I mean that's tremendous. And I was Molina was playing their catcher. He was like, oh, Molina's bad. He th- he was throwing out. He threw out two runners. Yeah. I mean, he he's he's tremendous. He's the best defensive catcher in baseball. So you have that, and it's just everything the Cardinals do, and you know that one of their younger players is going to come out, but bring making 
seeing that move for Arenado, that bring that other superstar in with Goldschmidt, that lineup, that's going to be the probably the best three, four hitters in the game. So in the West, I know that the Padres are really trying to do everything they can to take over the Dodgers. I don't know if it's enough just yet, though. They're not, it's not going to be enough. The Padres might have the second-best record in baseball and still not win the division over the Dodgers. But it'll be exciting to see them play. Uh, I, there's a huge rivalry. Everyone thinks the Dodger... Uh, giant rivalry is great. The Dodger Padre rivalry is very intriguing too. The Padres hate the Dodgers. Oh, Padres the Padres hate San Diego that. hates LA because whatever. So it's good. That's going to be exciting. So no, I, I'm that that that's going to be great. But I do like I like the Padres to be the wild card, and I'm actually going to pick the Nationals as the wild card. I think the Padres. I am just sold on this Nationals team for some reason. I just think <laughs> that they're they just they they did everything right. Seven fifty two. Ira on Sports True Oldies Channel. Ira, you were so excited for UFC this weekend. I was screaming. Week. I was unbelievable. Uh, Francis Nagano was stepping Miasic, uh, heavyweight championship of the world. Miasic had won in 2018. Nagano had sort of licked his wounds and, and had four straight first-round knockouts. Uh, Miasic came in again as the under, underdog. Nagano outweighed him by 30 pounds. And the first fight, Miasic was this was great at grappling. Miasic's considered the greatest fighter heavyweight of all time. So here again, this is in, and he's still in a semi-prime. When Nagano went, when Miasic went to tackle Nagano, Nagano now learned defense. I mean, he sort of improved, didn't get taken to the ground. Uh, first round, I felt Nagano had won, but it wasn't decisive. Second round, Nagano knocks Miasic down and with a punch. Uh, Miasic gets back up, and then he hits Nagano with a, with a good punch, and he thought Nagano was hurt, and he just walked into another fight. It's like when you think someone's hurt, walked right into it, gets knocked down, gets knocked out, knocked out in the second round. Uh, so Francis Nagano is now, people are wondering how anyone's going to beat him. He's fast and quick, and he weighs like 200 60 pounds. So he's someone who should be like an NFL linebacker out there. <laughs> he's got a bigger body than some of the linebackers. And so what, the what fight else? that people are talking about is Nagano versus John Jones would be the biggest fight ever. John Jones is considered the greatest uh, UFC fighter of all time. Never never loses. Um, has never lost really in a, in a knockdown or anything as a disqualification. And uh, he's a light heavyweight. So the point is, would he go up to fight Nagano? Biggest match. But I think one of the most interesting things, UFC 261 in April is going to be in Jacksonville, Florida. They've sold 50 15,000 tickets in like a minute they sold out. Crazy. The tickets online I'm looking at, you can't get in for under $1,000, and the good seats are going for $20,000. It's just unbelievable. Uh, it's Usman versus Mazdaval for the welterweight title. They fought in Abu Dhabi earlier in, 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 with when Ma, Usman won, and they have two of the women's uh, championship matches. But uh, it'll be the first one with fans and everything like that, and they're, they're, it's going to be a crazy scene there up in Jacksonville. And, and as again, you know, with the idea that you can't get in for under $1,000, dollars for UFC match. Crazy, but probably worth it. Um, going to tennis, Ira, you got to take in a lot of it. We are covering so many sports. We're flying <laughs> around here. But yes, I love the Miami Open. There's no Denal, no Federer, no Djokov, no theme. Uh, but I thought uh, Medvedev, I got, uh, he, he's, he's still in it. He's the number one seed. Barely won his last match. Uh, number three seed, Sasha Ver- uh, Vizarev lost. Remember, we had Hubert Hercos on, who won the Delray yep. Open. He still, he beats number six seed today. He's in the fourth round. And Americans have done well in this tournament. The American men, finally. Fourth, there's four Americans in the round of 16. Uh, Francois TFO won. He plays Medvedev next, which should be tough, but he won. Uh, I saw John Isner uh, play against Mackenzie McDonald. It was fun to see him on Friday. And uh, Taylor Fritz is, uh, make the round of 16. And then Sebastian Corda, who we saw at Delray, uh, who lost to Hubert Hercos. He's made it. Uh, and the, I never saw Stephanos Titsipas, 22-year-old from Greece. Never saw him play live. Blown away by him. I've, he has all the skills in the world. This guy should be number mm-hmm. one. He's 6'4", can serve like Isner, but flies around the court. I mean, he's he's like he's like a Federer that's even more athletic. There's nothing. Everyone says how great he is. When I see him, the, guy, the point is he plays stupid. He plays points stupid. He makes wrong decisions. But he's young. He's only 22. He has a Djokovic only one major at this time. He's someone who, when you're saying who could be the best number one for five years in a row, he has all the talent in the world. He's as at 6'4", with a powerful serve, has great backhand, great forehand, but his speed around the court. He has this long hair that flies around, and he's personable and friendly and sociable and, and enthusiastic. Everything about that, he just hasn't been able to beat the top players. He hasn't, I mean, he's fourth or fifth in the world, but the point is I, I, it's either Medvedev theme, uh, Zara, but Titsipas, when you look at his game, he is just perfectly, and when you see him in person, you, you just feel how 
again, it's like watching Nadal. It's like you see the special. He's so special, but you just hope that he hope he can put it all together and start winning titles because he's 22. I don't want to say at 24, 25, we're waiting for him to become great. And what about the uh, female side? Well, I got to see Ash Barty, the number one player in the world, uh, who's from Australia. Just an average win uh, that she had. She beat today. Uh, she beat Azarenka. She's made it. I did not see Osaka, who's the who's name Osaka, who is the winner of the Australian Open, who is the you know, popular and everything number two seed. I didn't get to see her. I saw Kennan. Uh, she lost. She's the top ranked American. But the American women have done surprisingly horrendous. They had their one. They uh, the, uh, the sixteen. The only one out of fifteen players that entered the tournament have made it to the round of sixteen. Uh, Venus lost, Daniel Collins, uh, Madison Keys, Sloane Stevens, Coco Goff, and Jennifer Brady. They all lost. And, uh, but it's like, it'll look like the situation where it's going to be Osaka versus Barty, uh, maybe in the finals. They play through sat- women's finals on Saturday, men's finals on Sunday. I got to come to some more matches. When you're there, there's only a thousand people in the stadium. It is so weird. Like, you're, it's, 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 I think, like a 5% type of people. <laughs> and it's hard to get these tickets. And, but it's interesting being there in the stadium. They don't even play in the main stadium. And then you have the outside. It's so nice. I mean, I love the event. It's great to go to. Uh, I wish it was a Key Biscayne, but I uh, hope to get there at least three or four more, three more times this week. And uh, we just got a couple minutes left. What's going on in golf? It was a, a big week. Well, they play the World Golf Championship at, at, uh, at the Match Play Championship, and uh, Billy Horschel beat Scotty Scheffler. Remember, and this is time they played like the NCAA where you play match play. They used to do this in golf all the time, and the amateurs do this all the mm-hmm. time, but not the pros in terms of what they do. And it's weird because uh, Rory lost 6-5 and five and then uh, to Ian Poulter is out. Justin Thomas lost to Kuchar 3-2 and two was out. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau uh, lost to two times, two matches. So And, and Dustin Johnson have to Robert Mack McIntyre, and then lost to Kevin Na. So the big yeah. names didn't get advanced. John Rahm made it to the semifinal, the quarterfinals, but like a guy like Matt Kuchar, who's like 45 years old, he, he's he's won this once. He finished the finals once, and he made it to the semifinals this time. Uh, but uh, it was a big win for Horschel. Uh, he's never played this tournament well before. But uh, but Scotty Scheffler gets credit. He beat Ian Polder and beat John Rahm. So we were saying he has to be in the Ryder Cup because he's he can beat all the European players. Next week, Spieth Flower and Mickelson at the Valero, Texas. Not really a big event. And then the Masters in two weeks. The biggest Fowler's of them all. Fowler's got to win. Get himself into the Masters. Exactly. Fowler has to win to get into the Masters in terms of what. We'll not going to be easy. You think the Honda might uh, things might not be looking as good as we maybe originally anticipated? Well, they said they're going to move the Honda, but the problem is is they move the Honda. But but again, if it moves, it's going to be World Golf Championships in Mexico, Genesis, and then Honda, then Bay Hill and players. No one plays three tournaments. The Genesis is a must-go-to, and the World Golf is a must-go-to. My suggestion, and this is the only my suggestion, April 29th at Valspor in Tampa. That It's sort of not in the, quote, Florida swing. So the point is, it's three weeks after the Masters, three weeks before the PGA. I'd like to be at the end of April, beginning of May. I know it's going to be hot here, but I, I just think then you're going to get all the star players for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure that they would... Pull, pull whatever strings they could to get back into those uh, top 20 graces. What about auto racing? Oh, I just I was pulling up the stats because we're doing our show um, in the Bristol, and this was a great race. So the first time in 50 years, NASCAR ran on dirt. So they took the Bristol Motor Speedway <laughs> that seats 160,000 people, built in 1960, and uh, actually, you know, in 1961, the Eagles played the Redskins there no, in front of 8,500 fans. 2016, Tennessee played Virginia Tech in front of 156 fans. Most people, 56,000 fans, <laughs> most ever see a football game. Uh, but it was it was so cool to watch it on dirt and how they were like. I think there was like probably 20 uh, cars at the end of the race, and and they were interviewing the drivers, and they were like, "This is so much fun." They're like acting like kids. I mean, these are multi-zillionaires that are running around there saying, this is so cool. Even though I got knocked out of the race, I wish I could be out there racing again. And the commentator, <laughs> Jeff Gordon, but Martin Truex Jr., uh, he won the truck race. And wait, I'm going to get the uh, the uh, cup race. I can't get the... Because uh, we, when we went on air, it was uh, they were on they were on a yeah. break. But we'll get that right before we end. And then I went to, I saw the uh, F1 race. So the F Formula One started. Matthew Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton is the greatest race car driver of all time. Matthew Verstappen's Red Bull car is tremendous. So Hamilton pitted earlier. And then there was a situation where Ham- they were off like the same. They were off pitting the wrong way. So 
Hamilton had the lead, but Verstappen came out and it was like down eight seconds. He's like, you can catch him with a few laps to lead. Left, left. But with just a, with like 10 laps left, he caught him. So he's right behind Hamilton and he passes him, but because he passed him illegally, they said either you have a five second penalty or you have to go back and let Hamilton in front. They chose to have him go back. And then for the next five laps, he couldn't pass Hamilton, even though he had a better car, better tires, and Hamilton there's like the best race ever because the fact he was able to hold off a car with a great driver with better tires and a better car and win the race. So that was pretty exciting. Really impressive stuff. Uh, right now, we are just about to end the first half. Houston is on top of Oregon State, 32 to 17. I So a uh, little bit of a discrepancy there. Maybe Oregon State's magical run is uh, starting to fade away. <laughs> Probably. That's what I thought. I really thought that Houston was was going to was gonna do that. Were you able to get an update on the race at all? No, I just can't figure out why it's not <laughs> on this thing. I'm, I feel like I'm not doing You know, what we're watching is like the, the, the star drivers, Truex won, Mark Truex won the truck race, which was before, and Kyle Larson uh, was the star. Tri all, some of these drivers always run on, on dirt, and Kyle Larson was here, but they get, all were getting knocked out of the race earlier. So, no, I just don't know why they're not showing why this hasn't come up who won the race. So, Ira, what's your uh, plans for this week? What are we, what are we tennis. doing? Tennis. I got yeah. tennis this week. This is the final, my final, uh, my final week for tennis, and I definitely want to, just excited to go see that. And then we're done. I mean, I think we're going to go watch the finals on Saturday, finals on Sunday. Um, but uh, this is exciting. Look, we got the NCAA tournament tonight, Monday, and two games tonight, two games tomorrow night, the final four is on Saturday, and we're going to have the show on Monday, and then we're going to go into the national championship game. So yeah. we're going to have uh, Gary Waters, a coach at Cleveland State, a former coach at basketball, is going to come on and do a preview for the national championship game, which I think will be between uh, Gonzaga and Baylor. So we'll see what happens. How long till you make it down to a Marlins game? Uh, I will go to a Marlins game. Oh, I, I know you will. I will. <laughs> but no, in the Heat, I mean, I think then the following the Heat, we're going to see it. The Heat are playing the, uh, the Knicks right now, and uh, we'll see how uh, we'll see what happens. So. We are out of time. I want to thank C.Y. Young of FSU so much for coming by. Always a great guest. He's Ira, I'm Mike. Let's talk next Monday night. Ira on Sports.